This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. Guess what? It is time for the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship. That's right. The NCAA Women's Tournament is here. Um, welcome to Around the Rim, your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fabulous and fantastic producer, Tarika Foster Brasby. Um, first, let's say this. Tampa, if you're going to be there, Around the Rim will be there too. We'll have more information coming, but we will be doing live shows once again in Tampa, and we want you there. It'll be free. So stay tuned. If you're not following us on Twitter, Around the Rim Pod, um, because we'll definitely be updating you there, but also we should have another podcast or two before we get to Tampa. Um, that's news. Um, brackets <laughs> are here. Uh, they came a little earlier than expected, <laughs> but we are excited for all of the teams that are not only in the NCAA Women's Tournament, um, but the NIT, the WBI, if you're Division Three, Division Two, wherever you are playing in the postseason, Tarika, we're happy for everybody, right? We're extremely happy. It's not easy to get there, so congratulations. Yes, congratulations. But the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament starts this Friday. So make sure that you are checking your local stations. You're on your ESPN Watch app um, for all the action. But today's show is one of our favorites because we are bringing in the experts, analysts from all over to give us their thoughts on different conferences uh, that you may not have heard about, different players that you need to be watching in the NCAA tournament, some possible upsets, um, all kinds of things. So first and foremost, thanks to everyone who you will hear on this show who are all so amazing at their jobs for taking time to join us because this is a busy time for everyone. Uh, print your bracket out. Um, I am going to share with you in a moment a few things that I'll be looking forward to but um, more than anything, just it's an, it's a big time for women's basketball. If you watched last year, you know the name of Arike Gumbawale. You know what happened in Columbus. So we're excited about what the road to Tampa will look like. Uh, but with that, let's push to just a couple of things that are on my mind about the bracket. All right, women's basketball fans, we're going to talk about some different conferences with the analysts um, and experts we have coming up. But just a couple of things for me. Number one, I have named every region in the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. That's right. Um, I came up with a regional theme for every site of what you will have to have to advance based on the teams that are in that region. So the Greensboro region is my powerful post reason, region. You have Lauren Cox, Kalani Brown, Christina Nigue, Janelle Bailey, Alisa Kunane of NC State, a name you may not know. And obviously, Megan Gustafson the Great is also in Greensboro. So if you have the post game, you're going to need it in Greensboro. Moving on to Portland. Oh, man, oh, man. You better have some great guard play. Guards that can handle pressure. Mississippi State is in Portland. Clemson, the Tigers, will smother and cover you defensively like not very many other teams. Amanda Butler's group. UCF. Plays great defense into transition. Coach Abe, congratulations on your season. Um, Syracuse, as you know, is going to pressure you full court and play zone, so you guards have to be able to hit threes. So that is our guard region in Portland. In Chicago, bring your buckets. Notre Dame, the number one overall seed in Chicago, we know can score the ball from all five positions very efficiently. 
Marquette is also in the Chicago region. Um, let's not forget that Kennedy Carter is back for Texas A&M. They are in the Chicago region. Um, lots of points from Iowa State who will put up the three. Oh, yeah, and DePaul, hashtag DePaul ball. 100 points, nothing for them. They are in the Chicago region as well. So bring your buckets in Chicago. And then there is Albany, the So You Think You Can Coach region, where we have Louisville head coach Jeff Walls, Holly Warlick of Tennessee, Maryland's Brenda Freeze. Oh, I forgot to mention Gino Oriema and the number two seeded UConn Huskies. Yes, big news from Selection Monday. And then Rutgers also, the Hall of Fame coach Vivian Stringer, though she will not be coaching and is in our prayers, her team will be Hall of Fame coached. Um, so Albany is, so you think you can coach region. Just a few things to keep your eyes on and what I think teams will need to advance at those different regional sites. First of all, the Stanford Cardinal out of the Pac-12. They are the number two seed in the Chicago region. The number one, again, is Notre Dame. Player to watch, Alana Smith is dynamic. Um, she has size. She can shoot the three. Um, she can really finish with left or right hand. Um, a player that's very versatile, and I think you're going to enjoy watching in the NCAA tournament, but also her backcourt of Kiana Williams is so underrated. So two players for Stanford that you've got to keep your eyes on. Stanford will be matched up um, in the first round with UC Davis, and then they will have a date with either BYU or Auburn to advance to the Sweet 16. That's out of the Pac-12. What about the MAC? M-A-A-C. Quinnipiac. I'm probably saying that wrong, but... Uh, either way, how have we just fallen in love with Quinnipiac over the years? Um, the Bobcats have been so fun to watch. Their first round game, they are matched up with South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, um, a team that can be dangerous. They're the sixth seed. Quinnipiac is the 11th seed. Two teams that have caught the eyes of all of us in past years, not only because they have the what it takes to upset some of the big teams, but they've also scheduled well um, and are prepared to do major things in the NCAA tournament. Quinnipiac, don't forget, advanced to the Sweet 16 last season. Out of the MAC, MAC, Buffalo, Sierra Dillard. If you have not seen her play, watched her play, uh, a player to definitely keep your eyes on. And then out of the summit, we talked about South Dakota State, um, but lots of, Fun players to watch, lots of things to keep your eyes on. But I won't spoil it because we have experts that know a lot more than I do coming onto the show. So let's get to it. All right, women's basketball fans. So we are moving around the NCAA women's tournament bracket. And right now I want to bring in a shining star, someone that um, – Lucky for us, we got to see more of this season. Please welcome into the show women's basketball analyst Monica McNutt. Welcome, Monica. Thanks, Lachina. I'm super excited to be on with you. Oh, you have had a fantastic year. Congratulations. We got to see your face on Big 12 and Big East and some studio with ACC and SEC. Uh, for those that do not know, Monica uh, played at Georgetown and is just a – rising star in media. So, uh, Monica, I want to ask you in particular, because you spent some time at the ACC tournament, and we hear about Notre Dame, we hear about Louisville, um, but I am curious about Clemson. Now, the Clemson Tigers, led by Amanda Butler, the ACC Coach of the Year, will be taking on South Dakota in Starkville. 
Give me an idea of how far you think Clemson can make it and why. So I actually think Clemson can get to the Sweet 16. And I will tell you of a particular moment during the ACC tournament that stands out to me. Um, Kobe Thornton is intense. She's having a great game. Danny Edwards gets called for a double tech after, like, a jump ball. And Amanda Butler literally walks down her bench and high-fives each one of her girls. And so they're all super pumped and they're into it. And so what I think of in that space, when we were playing ball, we had a coach that used to always say, you got to go rough them off. you got to go start a fight. Not that I'm condoning fighting, but it speaks to the mentality. And so I think that Clemson is a team that absolutely feels as though they belong. You understand the tremendous turnaround they had from last season to this season. I think they're ready to go in and rough some people off, shock the world, really make a statement about where Clemson Tiger basketball is. Now, we realize that this is going to be an uphill battle because they're taking on South Dakota in the first round. But then if they advance in that first round game, second round, the the chances are, obviously, they're going to take on the home team, which is Mississippi State. So you're telling me you think they can go into Stark Vegas and and knock off the number one seed, Mississippi State? So, so yes. <laughs> Although I'm also contradicting myself because I think this is Mississippi State's year for me, just kind of watching them. I, what will probably happen in that game is it'll be a lot closer than people maybe would expect, folks that have not watched Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fourth quarter is probably where it gets really interesting. I think that they will probably force Sierra McCowan to do a little bit more running in terms of getting up and down. When they get out in transition, they're fantastic. But you're right, I guess, to turn, and this is why I bow to you as my elder I'm a basketball analyst. Um, um, Mississippi State is weaponized, for sure. Um, Jordan Danbury, um, Ariel Howard. It's going to be tricky, but what I will say is that game is going to be very competitive and it will probably be closer than people think. Okay, I like that. And I think if you're Amanda Butler, you've got to be happy with, you know, competing. I mean, she wants to win, obviously, but Mississippi State, the odds are going to be stacked against you. Now, I will say this about Clemson for the people that haven't seen it. Uh, Monica gave you some things to look out for. I love Aaliyah Collier off of the bench. She is, to me, um, their toughness factor. And then Simone Westbrook and Danielle Edwards, good luck bringing the ball up the court. All right, Monica, mm-hmm. moving on to the <laughs> Big East. Now, DePaul knocked off Marquette in the championship game in dramatic fashion. Okay, we saw Shantae Stonewall put on a great performance. Um, unfortunately, in the waning moments of that game, Natisha Heideman missed a free throw uh, that proved to be kind of costly. And so you don't know what Marquette's mindset is coming to the NCAA tournament. They're a five seed um, in the Chicago region, which is good for them. I mean, obviously that doesn't mean much right now. Um, But they are starting off in College Station against Rice. Now, Tina Langley has done a fantastic Mm -hmm. job with Rice this season. They have Agumake on their roster, Agumake. Mm-hmm. So that just right there tells you that they're talented. But they also have 6'9", Nancy Mulkey, which is a big concern or should be for Marquette because they are without Erica Davenport. So where is Marquette's mindset coming in? And this is an upset. A lot of people are picking Rice um, over Marquette in the first round game. What do you think? I understand that choice. Um, if I had to choose, I'm probably like – 65, 45 in on that choice. The the X factor to me is going to be um, the play of Amani Wilborn because I think we know about Alasia Blockton, we know about Natisha Heideman. They're going to be circled. But if Amani is going north and south quickly and t- eliminating the height advantage that Rice is going to have and they're shooting the ball at a high percentage, 
then I think Marquette will have a chance because of the way that they can play offense. Now, my other thing across the board, whether it's men's or women's NCAA tournament, I think momentum is highly underrated coming into this. And so I'm not 100% sure where Marquette is mentally coming into this one. That was a tough loss in the Big East Championship. And then they didn't exactly finish the season especially strong. I think they wrapped up their two last games with pretty good wins, but they had kind of faltered adjusting to playing without Erica Davenport down the stretch in the Big East tournament. Carolyn Keeger is one of my favorite women's basketball yes. coaches, period, one of my favorite coaches, period. And so I think she will have her group focused. And those seniors take so much pride in what they've been able to accomplish. I mean, they told me at one of their games that they knew their sophomore year that they were about to do something special. And so they've been locked in for a long time. This one really comes down to how well they shoot the basketball and if they can make Rice uncomfortable. You mentioned Dana Langley. Like, she's a former Maryland assistant. So she has a ton of experience. She's got height. Um, Rice played, had a tremendous year in Conference USA, obviously winning the conference championship. But just in general, they were a bit of a nightmare to kind of scout for. I have a friend who uh, had to prepare against them. So I, I, while this would be an upset numerically, it's really not an upset if you were to look at the rosters, particularly the coaches. Well, we will be keeping our eyes on both the ACC as well as the Big East. Monica, congratulations again on a great year. Thank you for joining us. Where can fans follow you on social media so they can keep up with you? My Twitter is McNutMonica. Instagram is the same last name first because it's so memorable. And actually, the other way around was taken already. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, when um, I hear I, Monica, I think about loving basketball. So just think see, about that. Yeah, you and, know, and, there you go. and I get that so often with China. But thanks for having me on. Safe travels for all your uh, women's tournament adventures. We'll definitely be watching. Thank you. We will be keeping up with you. Keep shining, darling. We have my life analysts and mom wife goals now on the show ladies and gentlemen please join me in welcoming christy winter scott the amazing basketball analyst to around the rim welcome christy hey Latina. thank you so much for having me well you know that i want to be you like in every aspect of my life from how you break down the game to how you dress to um your fabulous kids and your career at South Lakes and Maryland and all that stuff. So I, I've always wanted to be you. We're both DMV girls. So, um, oh, this is, that's right. DMV. Th- that's right. <laughs> this is always a fangirl moment for me. But, um, Christy, you have spent time in the Big Ten, a lot of time, and we've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow, you, you smothered and covered that league so well for all of us this year. But, um, you know, we know about Megan Gustafson in Iowa. They're going to be in Greensboro as the number two seed. I know you are moving on to Iowa City in the first and second rounds where Drake yeah. is all, also there. Um, so you have some good matchups. Looks like Missouri, Mercer. Um, but I want to focus a little bit on some under-the-radar Big Ten teams or some teams I'd like to see if you want to make a case for, okay, if they could advance okay. out of the first and second round. Let's start with Indiana. That will be in Eugene. I'll actually be in Eugene. But they're taking on Texas in the first round and then – um, either Oregon or Portland State. Tell me about why Terry Morin's team may be able to pull some upsets in advance of the Sweet 16. Well, number one, I think that Terry Morin and her squad, I think they are carrying with them the confidence of winning the WNIT tournament last year in Indianapolis. And I think when you have a team that has um, a winning culture and winning expectations, and a player like Allie Patberg. I don't know if you have really touched the surface on what she brings to the table. Latina, when she missed those three games with her shoulder separation, you could definitely see the energy level was different, although she was there on the sidelines and being energetic as the leader. But 
when she is on the floor for Indiana, she is a force. And it's not just her scoring ability, but she distributes the ball well. She is a passionate player, plays with a lot of fire and competitiveness. And when she is out there, they're just a different team when it comes to just bearing down and and competing every single possession and playing the 50-50 basketballs really hard. And I just think the defense that Terry Morin has played this season, I think, has really been impressive to watch. And their non-conference portion of the season as well, um, coming into Big Ten um, season competition, I think was really strong for them. They were undefeated. Um, At one point, um, they had carried in – 14 consecutive wins going back to the WNIT championship and a couple games prior to that. So, I mean, this is a team that knows how to win, um, especially in crunch time. And they had a lot of close games this year. They were bumped by Iowa in a nine-point game in the tournament. So, I mean, this is a team I feel that could be a surprise for some people, like you said. And, you know, yes, we're talking Iowa and Maryland and uh, Rutgers coming out of the Big Ten this year. But, you know, you don't hear about Indiana as much, but they have had a fantastic season. Terry Morin is going to have those kids prepared and ready to go. And I think it's going to be fun to watch Allie Patberg. I think, you know, March is where you discover all the players to continue to follow throughout their careers. And I think you have to put Allie Patberg right at the top of the list on that. Yeah, a couple of transfers for Terry Morin that have made a mm-hmm. huge impact in Pat Berg and also Brenna Wise. And and Indiana was one of those last teams in, right? They were in the debatable eight. And so then you get this energy once you say, okay, now we're in, and you have mm-hmm. nothing to lose, right? Um, right? So those teams are always the most interesting to watch. You mentioned you mentioned Rutgers, and obviously, you know, sad news coming out that, that Coach Vivian Stringer will not be joining her team for the NCAA tournament as she continues mm-hmm. to rest, so our prayers to her. But um, Rutgers doesn't look like they're really messing around despite not having their head coach and possibly being inspired. I love Stacia Carey. Uh, w- does Rutgers really have what it takes without C. Viv on the sideline to, to pull some upsets? Well, I think what they have, they have the C. Vivian Stringer spirit within them. Um, she has taught them well, and not just the players, but the coaches. And the coaches have held their team accountable to the expectations of of C. Vivian Stringer and what she expects from them. So with that being said, Tim Eatman implemented their 55 defense about two weeks prior to the Big Ten tournament. Um, Initially, they had said that um, Vivian Stringer would return for the NCAA tournament. But like you said, um, the news just came out last week that she would not be returning. But I think they implemented that 55 to assure that they would get into the NCAA tournament um, and it's time for her to come back. But I think with that 55 defense, if you haven't seen it, you guys, I mean, it is swarming. I know in their last five games, they had, I think, 106 steals because of that 55. And I mean, when you're steals, not just deflections, we're talking about steals and going the other way. So this is a Rutgers team. uh, When you're in March madness, your defense has to come through for you. And for Rutgers, whenever you say the word Rutgers, that's just, it personifies defense. I mean, you think Rutgers, you think defense, you think that 55, they hadn't done it. They were intermittent with it at the beginning of the year, kind of went away from it mid-season and then got it back um, right in time for the strong momentum push to secure a three seed in the Big Ten tournament. So when you have Rutgers now at a seven seed, 
and they're going to take on Buffalo, which is going to be a great matchup yes. for them. And they've had a, a fantastic season. And uh, Felicia, like at Jack, she has done a magnificent job with an emotional um, pride moment after winning that MAC championship. But I just think when you have a team like Rutgers who will present some strong defensive energy and pride, you can never count that out. I don't care how you're shooting the ball. I know against Maryland uh, during the regular, I mean, during the uh, Big Ten portion of the season, they upset Maryland at Maryland by hitting nine threes. Your shot's not always going to fall. But what you can bring all the time is that lockdown defense, that trapping, swarming, run-jump situation, full court that you have to contend with, and you have to break it every single time or you're going to be in big trouble. So you have to be on your P's and Q's when you're playing against Rutgers, especially in that full-court press situation. It can be exhausting, absolutely exhausting. But you're right, Buffalo will be fun watching Dillard. And then if Rutgers gets out of that, they'll have UConn, uh, probably, who will take on Towson. And I know, um, you know, we haven't gotten to see a ton of Towson this year, but mm-hmm. what a what a great story as they get to their first NCAA tournament. And I know you know some about the background of um, head coach Diane Richardson. Can you tell us a little bit about her? Uh, first of all, I just love her. I just love her. She was the head coach at Riverdale Baptist, the high school out in Largo, Maryland, and did a fantastic job with them. They were ranked uh, tops in the country several several years over. But um, she's had um, stints with the University of Maryland, uh, GW, West Virginia. And now at Towson, she's taken the helm and in just two years um, gotten them to the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history. So I just think when you have leadership like that, um, and it's the belief that she has in the players, but it's the belief that she creates within those players that has really been special to see. And um, I'm just really happy for her. And I know that um, the sky's the limit for the potential of that program moving forward just because of what she's planted in them in terms of the belief and the competitive trust that she's created with the culture there in Towson. Yes, congratulations to Towson. If you haven't seen Diane Richardson's dancing skills, you can check out my Twitter because she can definitely get Uh-oh. down. Um, last question before Tarika kicks me off here, uh, Christy. I think the most intriguing team for me, now, you, again, you've got the Marylands, you've got the Iowas, but I'm also wor- wondering about Michigan. I just feel like personnel-wise they have so many great pieces, came yeah. up just short in the Big Ten tournament. And is it just me or does Kim Barnes Rico team have a have a chance and have what it takes to make a run? Well, I, I definitely uh, co-sign that, LaChina, just because Kim Barnes Rico has said this has been her most deep team that she's had in the seven years that she's been on the sidelines at Michigan. No Caitlin Flaherty, the all-time scorer and uh, leader for them, not just for women's basketball, but for men's basketball as well. So it was a different style of play that they utilized this past season. And when you have a player like Nicole Munger, who is a gritty, uh, hard-nosed, hard-hat kind of player who's going to take charges for you, but can also knock down the three and stretch the floor around players like Hallie Thom and this dynamic freshman who I am absolutely in love with, um, Nas Hillman, who was Big Ten Freshman of the Year, uh, as voted by the media. And um, when you have this kind of um, balance, when you have the the older players um, utilizing the the exuberance of these young players. And Nas Hillman has said over and over again, hey, I'm just, I'm learning. And I'm in it to win it. Um, I'm listening to all of the coaches. They trust me. Um, they put me in the starting lineups. 
So if they're trusting me, I have to trust myself. This is a kid who just gets it. And she gets out there and she just goes hard. And she is a, a motor inside on the glass. Like she saves possessions for them. So I just think um, with Michigan, when you have um, the leadership, like I said, um, and at an eight seed, they're going to take on Kansas State out of the Big 12. And I, I just think they have a, a great chance because of their balance and their depth. So, obviously, Thom has to stay out of foul trouble. She's a key piece for them on both sides. Um, but the same goes for Munger. You know, she was in and out of the lineup a little bit this year with some injuries. So, it makes a difference with her on the floor. But Kim barnes Rico, I know she's excited to be in the tournament this year um, after winning the WNIT two seasons ago. So, she knows what it takes to win, and she really has these kids believing in what she wants. Well, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I love Haley Brown as well. And let me tell you, if yes. Michigan makes it past Kansas State and Louisville past Robert Morris, what a game that would be, an old Big East yes. matchup from Kim Barnes-Rico St. John's days and Jeff Wall's yes. Louisville days. Uh, that would be a dogfight. So uh, yeah. we'll definitely be watching. And we'll be watching you, Christy. We know you will be in Iowa. Um, so we'll yes. be watching you on the tube. But where else can we catch you on social media? Where can fans follow you? Um, at Christy W Scott 51 on Instagram and Twitter. And I will be heavily utilizing my social media <laughs> during uh, the Iowa City bracket. So um, actually one of our kids um, from South Lake where I coach, she's a freshman at Mercer, Tia Benvenuti. So it's like this crazy connection of going there Aww. to see her play as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun for me personally, but I love the game, so it's going to be awesome. Getting to see one of your former players from South Lakes in the NCAA tournament. Wow, how awesome would that be? Yeah, I forgot to add that to your resume. Coach as well. Congratulations <laughs> on your run and the Virginia State tournament as well. Thank you so much, Christy. We appreciate your time and uh, continue just being amazing. Be life goals oh, for me and Tarika. We need we need role models. <laughs> oh no, that's you. I appreciate everything you guys are doing for the game and and just keep pushing, keep pushing, and letting people know what a great game women's basketball is. We love you guys. We love you too. Thanks, Christy. Be safe. Right, take care. Well, Tarika just informed me that we are on interview number eight, which it may not be in order the way you're listening to it, but we are bringing in our favorite. Number eight, and that is none other than <laughs> women's basketball analyst Steffi Sorensen. Welcome, Steffi. Thank you, Latrina. I'm so happy to be here. Let's well, get it going. Yes, um, you are the best dress analyst uh, that we will have on this show right now. So I just want to give you that crown. Um, yes, better dressed than me by far. Better dressed than Tarika, even though she may. You know, she, I she tries to look. She, like, she tries to look cute. I just get bored. I just get bored. I have to switch it up. Well, you can know? you get bored and come and do my closet? That would be nice. I um, listen, my sister is a stylist, so I will send her your way. Yes, so. please do, please do. Uh, we want to start off with you in the SEC, where you spent a lot of okay. time this season, and um, we'll get back to Mississippi State because I know you're you're headed to Stark Vegas for the first and second rounds, but. For people who may not know about Auburn or Kentucky, um, are those two teams that have a chance to to make a big run? I mean, Kentucky comes in, uh, they'll be in Raleigh facing Princeton, mm-hmm. and then obviously that's where NC State and Maine are. Um, and then for Auburn, you know, a, a very intriguing team because of how well they play defensively. Coach Flo, you know, yeah. does an outstanding job, but they are starting off in Stanford, which is not an easy place to start. They'll be taking on BYU and then probably have to make it 
past the Stanford Cardinal to get to a Sweet 16 as they're taking on UC Davis. Um, tell us about Auburn and Kentucky and why they have a chance to make it out. You know, I really like Auburn this year because, you know, for years with Coach Lowe's system with China, they would turn you over 20, 25 times, but they just were scoring in the 60s. But now this season, they've got five people on the on the floor at any given time that can score. And that's why they're in the NCAA tournament. That's why they're in the position they are, is that now they're turning those points, uh, those turnovers into points. And they're so fun to watch. And I was just disappointed at the SEC tournament because Deja Alexander has had such a good year for them. I mean, we know about Janiah McKay at the point guard. I mean, she's been the steady hand for four years. But Janiah McKay has really filled it up, and she was quiet. And, you know, I just probably why they struggled. Crystal Prim, who started at Duke and who has transferred in and has, has also been a scorer for them, she was quiet. So I think that they can I think they can sneak one in that first round. You know, right now they're a 10 speed facing BYU. But I think how do you prepare for a team like Auburn if you've never seen a pressure like that? Right. I mean, you can throw the scout team in there. You can throw guys. A lot of times you can even do seven on five to try and prepare when the bright lights hit and then – and then they've got the scoring ability that they have this year. That's to me the biggest difference. Um, why I like them in the first round, and why I think that they're hard to prepare for. And Stanford, if they can get out, you know they've shown some vulnerabilities, but they did finish strong. Won the Pac-12. Um, that's a tough matchup for them for for Auburn to to get past them. But in that first round game, I mean, I real I do like Auburn this year. Yeah. Um, and for Kentucky, Ryan Howard. <laughs> Are you ridiculous a Ryan fan? ridiculous Ryan yes yes what do you like about Ryan <laughs> oh my gosh um you know I actually How much time do we have? I know, right? I called a Kentucky game early in the season. Now, granted, I did call their loss to Ole Miss. Um, shout out to Coach Yo. But yeah. that was a tough game for them without Macy Morris. But I think how smooth Ryan is, you know, and, and obviously your concern is, okay, so she can score it, right? She can take over a game. I love the way she rebounds, her tenacity. But your concern coming into the NCAA tournament, she's a freshman. Like how many teams are we talking about entering the tournament being led by freshmen not that many and definitely not that many that we think have a shot to advance to the sweet 16 so that is my only thing but other than that i mean they've got you know macy and and you kind of feel like kentucky is rejuvenated but Mm -hmm. when you are facing you know teams that just have more ncaa experience you know if they do end up running up against i mean nc state that's going to be a challenge because state does have um, you know that experience factor, but what do you what do you think? Do they have what it well, takes? The thing about Ryan Howard is that with Taylor Murray and Macy Morris, it's kind of like Ryan can let the game come to her. So she, it's not all on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was wondering when she came to the SEC tournament if she was going to be like, oh, you know, all the lights, it's a huge pageantry. You know, it, she was unfazed. I mean, in the fourth quarter against Missouri, granted they didn't win. You know, she she wanted the ball. She demands it, and she hits the shot. So I'm not worried about her um, come NCAA tournament time about about being a freshman. She's a sophomore now. She's already grown up. Like she's True. moved on. But um, Kentucky, you know, I talked to Coach Mitchell just the other day, and they've spent a lot of this time working on their defense. And that's kind of been the difference. I feel like with Kentucky this year is they're get they're getting back to defending and turning people over. And then now you've got a player like Ryan Howard when you need a basket. Toss, score. 
I mean, yeah. that's kind of how she can roll, and that's nice to have if you're if you're Matthew Mitchell. I just worry about their lack of post players. I mean, yeah. they don't really have a huge post presence, and if they want to go up against NC State, you know, that's the challenge. You know, what, what who's going to dictate style? But um, I just think Ryan Howard is a player that I'd put my money on. You know, I think I really like their chances. You know, Westmore, and you, you cover the ACC a lot, what he's done this year, given everything, all the adversity that they've ha- had. Um, speaks for itself, but Kentucky's a different team this year, and um, I think Kiki McKinney might be healthy, and that's one of their post players. She had a concussion in the uh, SEC tournament. So if they're at full strength and they're healthy, they're turning people over, everyone's clicking. I mean, Kentucky's a really good team. You know, they played Louisville really good, really well in the non-conference. So that's I, those are two teams maybe kind of no one's really talking about, but um, I think they're really good, uh, LaTron. I, I really do. Speaking of really good in post play, um, we will end on Mississippi State because you've seen a, a lot transition. of transition. Yes, you have seen a lot of Tierra McCowan, and, and we I, oh, yeah. I really enjoyed um, your interview with the Schaefer family. Um, that was mm. so well done and told said a lot about Vic. You know, I mean, we see these coaches, but when you hear their family talk about them, definitely brings a different dimension. But um, you know, some people were surprised to see Mississippi State as a one seed, especially because they ended up not having to necessarily play the cream of the crop in the SEC coming through the tournament. Um, but they did mm-hmm. get that one seed. They will be in Portland. Um, or Oregon, <laughs> the Ducks, are the number two seed, so actually there's concern there. But um, is this team primed to make it to the Final Four, make it back to the Final Four? Absolutely. I think second to uh, Notre Dame, I think Mississippi State is playing uh, the best basketball of any team in the country. Um, having seen them just throughout the year and then up close and personal in that SEC uh, final, um, man, it's just their defense, you know, they score. And, you know, we always talk about Vic and the defense, but, you know, they score. They'll, they'll get 80, 90 points, but their defense is just relentless. And I'm in those huddles with China, let me tell you. And he <laughs> keeps that team on such a hard edge. There is no letting off the gas pedal. Yeah. And so I have a feeling, you know, you wondered with them finally getting that SEC championship, are they going to stay hungry? That, that whole, you know, oh, we finally got it. You know, Tierra and, and you know, they, oh, we finally got it. But, you know, we talked to Schaefer the other day, and he said he watched that final, and he had four pages of legal pad notes of all the things that they did wrong, and that's what they're going to go and show them before practice tomorrow. <laughs> so I was like, okay, you know, he's he's definitely going to have them doubt. And, Fired up. Yeah, I mean, if you think about this Mississippi State team, we're trying to, like, you know, they had to replace four seniors from last year's team that got to the final. And so you're, you're taking a look at the roster. You go, how do you replace a player like Victoria Vivians? Well, mm-hmm. you've got a player like Andrea Howard who comes over from Texas A&M. She's not going to shoot the three like Vivians, but she's an undersized four who's going to get you extra possessions, and she scores, and she's got an endless motor. Okay, well, that, that works. Mm-hmm. Roe Johnson last year, she could shoot the three, good defender. Well, now you got Espinoza, Briamber Scott off the bench. Jasmine Holmes, uh, itty bitty, you know, they they were kind of shoulder to shoulder. So yep. those pieces, it, they just kind of slid in and everyone owns their role. Yeah. And Vic just kind of just, he has this way of these players play for him. Yeah. And, uh, and then you got Big T, Big T in the middle. She's not forcing anything. She just lets the game come to her and they're running more things through her as a passer. And that dribble drive, Lord help me. Uh, yeah. People people trying to defend that uh, is, is a nightmare. 
Yeah, but Lord help all of us. I, I just, Lord help all of us. Yeah. You know, I'll be on the ground. I'll be on the ground trying to guard that. So um, I really do like this city state. I like its team. Um, I just, and I like Vic Schaefer because I, I, I'm in the Starkville pod. And I just feel very fortunate that I have two coaches that are on my uh, coach of the year list and Amanda Butler and Vic Schaefer. I mean, yeah. we've, we've got a nice little pod there and uh, it'll be really good to see coach Butler because of, you know, the job that she's done and for her and uh, that Clemson team, they're hungry and, you know, South Dakota is a really good team. They're always um, great coming out of the summit. So I'm excited to get started though. Yeah, it's going to be defense on defense if both Clemson and Mississippi State advance. Steffi, we will be watching you in Stark Vegas, but where can fans keep up with you on social media and all your platforms and see all these wonderful outfits? I'm a, uh, I'm a, you I'm your promoter me. for for the I, outfits. Yes, you are. I need to hire you. Um, <laughs> I, you can follow me at Steffi Sorensen on Instagram, Steffi Sorensen uh, on Twitter. I'm pretty easy. Awesome. That's it. Well, have fun in Starkville. Give everyone our best, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, Steffi. Thank you for making time for us. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Lachina. All right, fans, it is halftime. We will be back after this break with more women's basketball experts. I want to send a special shout-out to those teams who are making their first NCAA women's basketball tournament appearance. That is Abilene Christian, Bethune-Cookman, and Towson. Congratulations to those programs. And, fans, Remember that you can subscribe to Around the Rim so you are the first to receive our podcast. You can do that on the ESPN app or whatever podcast app you use, Apple Podcast. Hit the subscribe button. You can rate us. You can comment. Um, we will also love to hear from you on social media. On Twitter, we are at Around the Rim Pod. You can email us at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on social media at LaChana Robinson or just tweet me. You can also tweet and interact with Tarika at SheKnowsSports underscore. And keep in mind, we are still on Sirius. That's right, channel 84 um, to listen to Around the Rim on your XM station. So with that, we'll be back after the break. All right, basketball fans, we have another wonderful guest joining us. Um, not only a basketball analyst, but a former head coach of Emory. Please welcome to the show, Christy Thomas-Scuddy. Welcome, Christy. Thank you for having me. Well, we are happy and excited. We've enjoyed listening to your voice all season, and we're going to rely on your expertise a little bit as it pertains to the American Athletic Conference but also the America East. Let's start with UCF because out of the American, we know about UConn, right? But um, <laughs> Katie Abramson Henderson has done a wonderful job with her UCF Knights. Now they are starting off their first and second rounds in Coral Gables. They'll actually start off with Arizona State. Um, Miami, obviously, is the host. They'll be taking on Florida Gulf Coast. Tell me why UCF may have an opportunity to make it out of Coral Gables and shock the world. I think it's two words, and it's KK. Uh, as in KK Wright, this is a dynamic young playmaker for UCF. Uh, UCF relies on the defense, as does Arizona State. So I, I agree with some of the other analysts out there that says this game may not get out of the 40s. Uh, <laughs> because, and, you know, I think for purists, it's a great game to watch. For those who are looking for a lot of points, you may want to go to a different game on the app. But, uh, what UCF wants to do is they want to grind it out. They want to make it ugly. They rely on their defense to create offense. They are so good at turning you over and scoring in transition, and they rely on those transition points. 
if, the, if you can take care of the ball, it's a totally different dynamic for this UCF ball club. Now, where I was impressed in the American doing their games earlier in the season, it was really KK Wright as far as the offensive production, getting 20 to 30 points. And then a couple other players may have four to six to eight points. Well, the great thing in the American tournament was that the post players showed up. Mm. You had uh, Masani Kaba, who was huge for them, just a great post presence down low. They're great on the glass. They want to convert offensive rebounds to second-chance points. And so that's why, and I called an Arizona State game earlier this year, I think Arizona State has a little bit more balance to their offense, Mm -hmm. but it's going to come down to guard play. And I said this about anybody that plays UCF. If you've got experienced point guards, you've got a great chance against UCF because they're trying to create the pace they want. They want to make it frantic. Arizona State has mature guard play. Yeah, and that's interesting to me. Well, this matchup, especially from a coaching standpoint, I want to ask you a question. Um, Obviously, you have great coaching experience, but you've got Charlie Turner-Thorne. I mentioned Coach Abe. You know, at this time of year, do you think it's is it your defense or is it your offense? I mean, the women's basketball, the game in general is growing, right? So people are saying, well, you got to be able to score points if you want to beat Notre Dame, if you want to beat UConn, that kind of thing. But we're looking at two very tough defensive teams. Like, as a as a head coach, what are you really relying on right now at this time of the year? Well, I think this is my age and that old, I mean, the head coaching hat. I sometimes think offenses start slow. That first-round game, there's nerves. You know, some people are just getting their legs back under them. You can't afford to dig a big deficit. So if your offense is slow to start, your defense has to be solid. And so I'm just, again, even when we made NCAA run, you've got to have a strong defense, and then your offense has to show up. And that's one thing, I mean, you look at, you know, the UGA teams of old and whatnot, defense travels. Well, if you're going to win in the NCAA tournament, your defense must get packed, and you've got to have it. And then I also believe it's a matter of possessions this time of year. So you got to take care of the ball, and you got to create second-chance points. Wonderful insight. Um, the one thing I will point out before we move on to the America East is that UCF, Miami, Florida, Gulf Coast – don't have to travel that far. Arizona State, on the <laughs> other hand, is going all the way to Coral Gables. So we'll see if that plays a role um, in all of this. But definitely a heavy Florida presence there in Coral Gables. I guess you can call it the G-curve, Christy. Um, all right, so <laughs> moving on to the America East, Maine, that is in the Greensboro region, um, we'll be taking on NC State. Now, all season we've been talking about NC State and how they're shorthanded, you know, Everyone's wondering, okay, when is their time going to expire? They're the three seed. Maine is the 14 seed. Um, also in Raleigh is Kentucky that will be taking on Princeton. But tell me what you like about Maine, and do they have a chance to knock off NC State? Maine is a very veteran ball club. And I, I got to tell you, you know, going league to league this year, this might be a team that has the best basketball IQ that I've covered and it's twofold. There's a lot of experience, for one. There's also a huge international flair. And so these girls have been playing and playing at a high level with all their national teams for so long. And, and I just I love the coaching staff at Maine as well. Amy Vashon knows nothing but how to win as a player and now as a head coach there at Maine. I, I mean, I think if you're looking for an upset, this is an interesting matchup to me. Now, NC State has a better low post presence. In Maine. Maine's very 
perimeter oriented. They're going to try to spread you out and get to the rim and create threes in their offense. So that's the X factor in my mind. If NC State can establish their low post presence, it could be a long afternoon for Maine. However, this Maine team is averaging over eight three-pointers a game. They can fill it up and fill it up quickly. And NC State, you know, we were talking about this entire region, Greensboro, has some great post play, right? I mean, NC State's got Elisa Kunain, who's only a, only a freshman, but very good. Um, and then you look at a Janelle Bailey of, of North Carolina in this region, or Kalani Brown, obviously, Lauren Cox, Christina Nigue, um, Megan Gustafson is in this region as well. Uh, how much are coaches relying on their post presence I, I mean, I know we talked about the fact that defense does travel, and I'm old school too, so I agree with you and love that analysis. But uh, do you think that size is one of maybe the hardest things to prepare for, especially for a team like Maine or a non-Power 5 conference team uh, that maybe just does not have the uh, the height? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a flip now that they're out of conference play. You know, you look at Maine's, non-conference schedule. They played Duke. They played at NC State and in North Carolina. I didn't wow. think you could play a first-round opponent that you played in the regular either. season. Yeah, I didn't either. But that's got to be a huge advantage, you know, if you've already seen a team. Um, and you're right. I'm looking at the same thing. You are uh, lost 84-46. Yeah. <laughs> now, that was December 15th when North Carolina State was at, you know, they, had, they were healthier. Um, right. You know, still had Grace Hunter – um, a lot of their pieces, so that may make a difference. But we will, we will see. I, I'm all. I've always been an America East fan. You know, even when Albany was there, when Coach Abe was there. Um, you know, when those were when they were going to the to the tournament every year. But they always seem to put up a fight. Um, but it looks like unless NC State is reeling from these injuries, you know, I, I don't know. It's going to be a tough one to call. It's so interesting now because I know as a former post player, you believe the ball should go inside. And, and as a point guard, I believe so too. I think what gets scary this time of year is if teams lose their identity. I, I think the best basketball works inside to out. The highest percentage three is inside to out. And, and so with these kind of games, as long as the ball gets inside, I'm not saying these posts have to put up 30, 40 points. But yeah, I do believe it's very difficult to prepare for post-play like we're going to see in the Greensboro Regional. Christy, you are awesome. I just love listening to your wisdom. Um, we will have to have you back on the show, hopefully, uh, sometime during the tournament, just to get your overall observation of what's happening. Where can fans find you, either on Twitter, Instagram, whatever your preference is? Where can they keep up with you? You're going to have some fans uh, after the show, like more. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I hope so. I'm old school, school still, I, so it's at, at Coach Scuddy. Awesome. Well, that's K-U-T-T-Y. That is the, the right name because you have been coaching us on this podcast. Thank you so much for joining the show, and we look forward to seeing you in the first and second rounds. Thank you, LaChana. Thanks for all you're doing for the game. Thanks, Christy. Basketball fans, we have overloaded you with expertise, and we're bringing in another women's basketball analyst and expert to the show. Please join me in welcoming the fantastic and wonderful Megan Hughes-Perry to the show. Welcome, Megan. <laughs> Thank you, Lachina and Tarika. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Well, uh, Tarika wants to go ahead, Tarika. I 
didn't, did I didn't you hear her? She was about to pipe up. She was happy she had got a little mention. Um, but Megan, you're an Ivy League girl yourself, which I love, which my mother always wanted me to go to an Ivy League school. But you're also an analyst um, deep into Ivy League women's basketball um, done studio for them, have just been great in your coverage this season. And so we want to know what your thoughts are on Princeton. Princeton comes into the NCAA tournament as the 11th seed. They will take on the Kentucky Wildcats in Raleigh. Um, the host team is NC State, who will take on Maine in their first-round game. Uh, Megan, should Raleigh, as a first- and second-round site, be worried about the Princeton Tigers? Can they advance to the Sweet 16? And why, if you think so? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that entire bracket should be worried about Princeton. And I don't just say that because I do have my my heart is near and dear to the Ivy League. It's because of really what they've done on the court. I don't think that Princeton's surprising anyone. I don't think any of the Ivy League teams are. But I think Princeton this year is the tale of two two seasons for them, uh, the season before Bella Allery and the season after Bella Allery. And so Princeton in their non-conference had a very competitive non-conference season. They played the likes of DePaul, Syracuse, Kansas State, Villanova, but they did so without their star player leading for back-to-back Ivy League player of the year, Bella Allery. And so I think, um, obviously, how they finished the season in the Ivy League, they dominated um, Ivy League play and came out as the Ivy Tournament champion um, with a big win against Penn. But I think that what they're capable of in the tournament, um, their record is really not indicative of how they will perform because they now have Bella Allery under their wing, and she does a lot of damage. What do you like about Bella's game? What is the thing that stands out to you most that fans should be watching in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, Bella Allery, if you haven't seen her, she is must watch. Um, she is a six foot four forward. She has guard light tendencies. I think she's super dynamic, one of the most versatile players um, in the conference. Um, you know, she gets it done on offense. On the defensive end, she's disruptive. She, she The blocks and deflections that she's capable of on the defensive end. Uh, when I think about Ella, Bella Allery, if you haven't seen her, she reminds me of a very raw Elena Deladon. And I don't say that. I don't wow. say that like lightly at all. Um, I spent a lot of time scouting Elena Deladon during my time at the WNBA. But her on-court movements, her demeanor, and the the skill set that she has is unbelievable. Um, and let me tell you something else. Like Elena Deladon, she has a really strong upside, but right now she's been a dominant player in the Ivy League. Like no one has held her to a single digit game all season long. And she's had at least five games where she scored 30 plus and she dropped 45 points at Columbia with ease back in Uh-oh. February. So okay. she is someone that shows up um, and she's not scared of the big moment um, at all. So for that reason, I think, you know, anyone going up against Princeton has a lot to be worried about. Well, they will take on the Kentucky Wildcats, a team that's led by Ryan Howard, a fantastic freshman, and obviously Macy Morris, the sharpshooter. So they will be facing a lot of pressure, wondering if Princeton will be um, ready for prepared for that aspect of things. And it was interesting watching Princeton because they were the final conference tournament championship of the Ivy League to be finished to find out that last automatic qualifier. And actually, Princeton was in the NCAA Selection Committee's Debatable Eight, which were the last eight teams that were in consideration for the last four spots um, in the field for an at-large bid. So it was actually a Debatable Seven because Princeton did go on to beat Penn 
um, and things moved on from there. But uh, you mentioned the fact that you are you were a WNBA scout and and have had a tremendous career with the league. And so, uh, relying on that part of your experience just a little bit, are there any players that you're watching right now, either that um, you think are like your favorites to be a lottery pick in the WNBA draft, or maybe some under-the-radar under players that you think could actually be good in the WNBA and, and maybe are being underrated? It's a really interesting question because, to tell you the truth, Latina, I don't think that there's anyone under the radar right now, to tell you the truth. all I think everyone is working with the same information. I don't think there's any secrets this year, uh, but what I think is that it's a very deep draft class, and I think um, you know the, the players that I have my eye on, it's no surprise to anyone. I'm looking at McCowan. I want to know where she's going to go. I think Durr, you know, out of Louisville, I think Asia Durr definitely um, is a name that you're going to hear called very early um, for good reason, but to tell you the truth, I'm not um, – I'm not really anticipating too many surprises um, mm. at all. It's been a very, com- it's been a wide open race, to tell you the truth. But I think that with the coverage, the amazing coverage that you all offer on your platform, you and Tarika, um, but then, you know, the larger media community has done a good job of covering the game. Um, and, you know, we know what's out there and we know what these players are capable of. You just keep on bringing up Tarika. Tarika, do you have any questions for Megan? Because obviously we know she's on standby. Tarika, you know she's smiling from ear to ear, honey. Go ahead, ask Megan a question. I actually don't have any questions for Megan, but that's because she's so good at what she does. She doesn't leave room for questions. She is really good at what she does, but I still have questions because I always have questions. Okay, okay Megan, yeah. so here is here is my question for you. There are four very, very good number one seeds. There could have been five number one seeds or possibly six, as we know. But in particular, Baylor out of the Greensboro region, Mississippi State out of the Portland region, Notre Dame and Chicago, and number one, Louisville and Albany. Who are you taking if all the number one seeds advance to the final four? I'm putting you on the spot. Who are you taking and why? Oh, Ooh, why, why, why? Um, I'm taking Baylor. I'll tell you the truth. Kalani Brown, I put a lot of stock into the big girl that can get it done. And I don't see anyone that's going to be capable of stopping her, all that she's capable of, her attack, and really just the mental edge that I think she has. Not having gone to a Final Four, I think there's a fire in her belly, and she has something to prove. And so for that reason, I'm tagging the Baylor Bears. Wow, Kim Mulkey's group coming out of Greensboro. Now, there's some competition in Greensboro if, if it happens, and a lot has to line up, but they could potentially match up with Iowa, who's the number two seed in this, in this region, which you don't want to see Megan Gustafson either. That would be a fun <laughs> post-matchup, okay? Yeah. They could yeah. they could possibly, well, they could see actually in the second round, Cal and Christina Nigue. Um, they could see NC State, who's the number three seed here, South Carolina, which we know has that experience. But you're picking the Baylor Lady Bears. Very interesting. In Waco. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you heard, it, you heard it here first. You heard, you heard it here, here first. first. Okay. I know exclusive. <laughs> Megan, let our fans know where they can find you and follow you on social media and see your work. And also, you have your own company. So tell us a little bit about that. No, sure. I'd be happy to. So I, I try to be as active as possible on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Miss Megs, M-I-S-S-M-E-G-S 42. Um, and then in addition to all the, the 
fun analyst work and following the game. Um, I do have my own company, Thanks for China. It's shout out to She Inspire Sports, uh, which is a plat- platform I developed to try to help inspire, educate, and empower uh, women off the court in whatever your career aspirations are. So um, I do a variety of things from a, a interview coaching, executive coaching, um, and communication consultation with, um, you know, aspiring young professionals in sports and also outside of sports to really season vets in the industries um, across the gamut. So um, I'm all about just elevating women and figuring out how to help us excel um, in what we do every single day, whether it's on or off the court. I love it. And is also a wonderful mom and wife. Last question for you, Megan. (laughs) Last question for you. Um, You spent a lot of time covering the Miami Hurricanes this year, Mm -hmm. and they are hosting in Coral Gables. They have Florida Gulf Coast. They will play in the first round, and they will meet either UCF or Arizona State. Does Miami make it to the Sweet 16? Oh, goodness. Now, see, that's really tough, and I'm going to try to be as short as possible with this. Um, To answer your question, I say, yes, they do make it to the Sweet 16. And what's different about Miami this year, um, one, they had a really young team last year that had a lot of playing, got a lot of playing experience. You add that on to the dominant interior play that we've seen from Amesa Hoff and Beatrice Montpremier, um, I think those are the, they are the difference makers for, for Miami. They have an interior squad that is the anchor of their entire attack. Um, and I think that's really tough for most teams to deal with, especially when it's just, one game, right? Maybe over the course of a couple games, you can find some holes. But I think in that one game, I think that Miami's bigs are, are going to help carry them forward. And so um, I'll be I'll be in Coral Gables. I'll be, you know, watching with a close eye on what the Hurricanes are going to do. But uh, I think that they are going to, you know, get the pass and move forward this season. They do. All right. We will be keeping our eyes on Coral Gables and on Megan, who has been doing fantastic work. Thank you for joining us, Megan. Thanks for China and Tarika. You guys are fantastic. I enjoy oh, listening. God. Thanks for having Thanks, me on. Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Megan. <laughs> Next, we are welcoming in someone who is actually one of my favorite people. And it's not just because she's a demon deacon, so don't start that. But <laughs> <laughs> former head coach, basketball analyst, and author of the book, Coach Like a Mother, Please join me in welcoming Helen Williams to the podcast. Welcome, Helen. Hey, Lachina. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining the show. Now, I want to talk to you about the OVC, and in particular, Bart Brooks Bruins. That's right. Belmont is back in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they are actually in the Greensboro region and will start off in Charlotte. Now, keep in mind, Charlotte is the host location for South Carolina um, who is also obviously going to start off their first and second rounds there. But Belmont was unfortunate to actually draw the Gamecocks. <laughs> so they would take on the number four seed. And then Florida State and Bucknell are also in Charlotte. Um, Helen, tell me a little bit about what we will see from the Bruins. And do they have a chance for an upset? Yeah, you know, they are. they have championship DNA. I mean, they've been – um, champions uh, four years in a row, um, and they've got players who have that experience. They've played a tough schedule, and they haven't really been blown out, you know, by anybody with their non-conference. So um, this is not a new experience for them going into, um, you know, postseason play. So I, I know for sure Dawn's a smart coach, and she's not going to take uh, this team lightly. Um, they're very experienced, you know, senior point guard. 
uh, Darby Maggard, I call her the little general. They list her at 5'2", but I stood next to her. I'm not really sure that's the case. Uh, <laughs> but she's, she's small in stature, but she definitely runs that team and, you know, comes through for them with daggers right at the moment whenever they need it from way, way, way behind the three-point line. She could, you know, she could be an over the whole game, but she'll hit that shot when they need it. So um, they have a chance for an upset, I think. You know, there's a couple of things that they're going to have to do. They average about 10 three-pointers a game, but I think they're going to have to hit at least a minimum of 15 um, to to do that, to to be able to beat South Carolina. You know, I call Darby Maggard everyone's favorite point guard because everyone loves her. And how fun has she been to watch? She was the OVC Women's Basketball Player of the Year this year. Um, But it is her her leadership and just her overall desire for the game. you know, it's hard because teams are so good at scouting, and Don has a lot of options in the backcourt. If they're able to take away Darby Maggard, who else will need to step up and be a scoring factor for Belmont? Well, the other player they have is uh, Ellie Harmeyer, um, and she's one of the two, what I call two tweeners, uh, her and, and uh, Munsterman. Um, you know, she's a leading scorer, and she has to come through, and they run her off a lot of different uh, a lot of different screens, and because of their motion offense, and they have the ability, really, and they do this a lot, they love to post up Munsterman and Harmeyer on smaller guards. So if they see an opportunity for that mismatch, um, they, will, they will definitely do that. Well, I know that Belmont has their work cut out for them um, with the South Carolina Gamecocks, but they were one of my favorite teams. I actually had them earlier in the season. I think Bart Brooks, who is a – um, Doug Bruno, protege, has has done a good job of continuing on, um, you know, what they've built there. Now, Helen, why have you, you know, in your coaching experience, I, I just want to ask you some general questions right now about a team's mindset. If you're a head coach preparing for the NCAA tournament right now, how much are you willing to change your style of play, right? Because there's great coaches. Um, yeah. We were on a conference call yesterday, and Carolyn Peck, was saying, and obviously she's won a national championship, and she said, you know, I'm interested to see if coaches are willing to change and stretch who they are. Now, we know some some teams aren't going to change, right, because we know for a fact that Syracuse is going to play a zone. Q is not right. coming out of that zone no matter what. But how much flexibility do coaches have to be willing to have, and how much do they also have to stick with what got them here and what their teams are confident in? Yeah, I, I really think it depends on the team you have. You know, I think it depends on the basketball IQ of the team that you have and, and how comfortable they are with your system. I do think that you need to be flexible for sure, but you don't have to go so far out of your comfort zone. I mean, you can tweak what you already have, and, you know, that way your players won't feel like they're doing something totally new. And, you know, it depends on the team that you're playing, how much you're going to tweak. But I do think you need to change. I just don't think you need to go way, way, way out of your comfort zone, at least for an extended period of time, maybe one or two plays. You might try something if you need it, if it's working. Um, but I think generally, with a few exceptions, you need to stay pretty much with what, you, what you've been doing all year because really, like you said, that's what got you there. Yeah, I mean, that that's the toughest thing is like – you can't get there and then all of a sudden your kids are used to relying on a certain style of play or, you know, just have confidence in that identity. And even though it may not work out in those first few minutes, you know, kind of letting what got you there play out in the end. Any other overall thoughts about, I know you watch a lot of basketball, you know, we've talked about the parity. What do you see happening right now in women's basketball as far as just the competition and, and who might win and take it all in Tampa? 
Yeah, you know, I watch games this year, and what I just really love is that there's so many teams that have the ability, you know, to get to that Final Four. There's at least seven, you know, Louisville, UConn, Notre Dame, Oregon, you know, Stanford, Baylor, Mississippi State. Um, but I just love the fact that nothing's a given, and any night anybody can be beat, beaten on any, you know, and on any court, especially since you have neutral sites. So I, I think that that is the most fun for me is being able to go through the season and watch games and nothing being a guarantee. I love it. Well, Helen, we appreciate you spending time with us. We've enjoyed listening to you this season. Um, I know that you also have a podcast, but tell us where fans can, can watch you, can get your book, can follow you on social media. Give us all your details. Yeah, cool. So you can uh, find me at, at HMW Sports. That's my Twitter handle. And you can get my book at my website, uh, HMWSportsConsulting.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, my fellow Demon Deacon. And uh, enjoy all the madness of March. Yeah, it, it's, it's been great being on your show. It's been great watching you do what you do, LaChine. I love it. I love it. Thanks, Helen. Your support has meant everything. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks, my friend. Take care. All right. Guess what? Women's basketball fans, we always talk about that collaboration, that much needed collaboration between women's college basketball and the WNBA and how we can connect all levels of the game. We have one of my favorite coaches. We have a WNBA championship coach of the Seattle Storm on the show. Please join me in welcoming Dan Hughes. Welcome, Dan. Well, very, very, very glad to be here. Well, what a treat for us. Um, first of all, congratulations on your big season um, in the WNBA. You. Hopefully you've been spending some time enjoying that, but you've also been spending some time on the landscape of women's college basketball. Dan, I know that um, you called the WAC championship where New Mexico State has advanced to the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. Um, now, New Mexico State is in the Chicago region, and they will be matched up with Bill Finley's Iowa State squad. Um, also in Ames would be DePaul and Missouri State. But, Dan, for what you saw from New Mexico State, give us a reason why they could upset Iowa State and possibly advance to the Sweet 16. Well, I think, you know, when you get this time of year, you need a couple of factors. You know, one is a, a winning culture. Well, New Mexico State, this is not like their initial real uh, trip into the dance. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have been there. They have, I think, for the last five years, um, have, have have been in that position. Uh, Brooke has done a great job with that team. Uh, they have a stellar player, player of the year in the WAC a couple times. Uh, but they also have that 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 swagger that I think you kind of need when you go into the NCAA tournament. Uh, they, they, I, I, what I noticed about them uh, the other day when, when I watched them, it wasn't just enough for them to get to the championship game. They, they needed to win that game. And that always, always tells me a lot about a team. And I, I, I just wonder if they're not going to the <clears throat> NCAA tournament with the same thing. Now, Bill Finley, I, I, I've seen his team play in person, and uh, Bridget just does a great job, Carlton, of, of, of leading that team from from her position in so many ways, and they shoot the three really well. So, 
That's a really good basketball game with China. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm curious your thoughts on on Bridget um, because there is a lot of discussion about you know can she play at the next level? Um, do you think that that's a possibility for her? Oh yeah, oh oh yeah, yeah yeah. That's definitely a possibility. I I've watched her evolve. Um, um, I was with the United States um, basketball in the World Cup in Tenerife and Spain in the Canary Islands, and she was there with Canada. So I got to watch her in international competition and, and uh, even even played against us in an exhibition uh, at that point. And she's growing. She's growing. Like, I've watched this year, and she's always been a shot maker. She has incredible kind of strength about her game. And mentally, she, she, she's a top-tier player. She's just very, very smart. But what I have noticed is she's become a little more of a playmaker, you know, especially they, they, they get her the ball in transition. So you're not just defending her in the half court, you're defending her in transition. And she can make plays. She can make basketball plays, which is very impressive to me. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I, you know, all of us that are in the WNBA are very aware of her and very aware of, of you know, she's going to get, I, you know, I think it's important she get on a team that kind of values the pieces she brings. But she's going to certainly get a chance to do that. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch Bill Finley's team. You know, I mean, they gave Baylor all that they had, you know, throughout the Big 12 season. And definitely there was a lot of separation between Baylor, but then also Iowa State and the rest of the Big 12. But that will be an interesting matchup, two players of the year. You mentioned Brooke Salas. I hope I'm saying that right. Brooke of, of New Mexico State, who was the WAC player of the year, and then Bridget Carlton. Um, who is the Big 12 player of the year. Coach, are there any other players when you think about the WNBA landscape that you want to see more from? And what I mean by that is this is where we find out what players are made of, right? We saw what Arike Gumbawale was made of last year. But as a WNBA coach and you're thinking about not only maybe players that will be added to your team, not necessarily, but just will be added to that next level of basketball, what are you, who are you looking at and what are you looking for as we start the madness of March? Well, you know, I'm drafting 12. So I'm in a unique situation in that, that you're pretty far down. Um, I'm looking for somebody who's going to impact our team. Um, Need-based may happen, but to be honest with you, I'm looking for somebody who, who is probably going to have a chance to, to come into our team and grow and maybe even help us this year in some way. That would be great. Whether that happens, I don't know. But, you know, what happens to me is you watch this NCAA tournament, and usually there's – I, I can't hardly think of a year where there's a player or two that didn't play themselves right up the depth chart, mm. uh, right up the draft board, you know, and who is that player going to be? You're kind of asking me. And um, here's a couple that, that I know I'm keeping an eye on because I've, I've saw him late in the year. Sophie Cunningham at Missouri is a, a very interesting player in a lot of ways. You know, um, I think she's an example of somebody who, who, you know, is, is known but could really – what I saw in her last two games at the SEC, I happened to be there against Kentucky where they have all that full-court pressure and she just brought the ball up. I thought, well, that's, that's fairly impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Mississippi State, we all know they put extreme pressure on you. She handled the ball in that game too. And so that's, that's an interesting piece. The other is Elena Smith, and I'm actually going to be calling her game. That's the game mm-hmm. I'm at. Nice. Elena Smith – might be the most improved player on the landscape of, of women's college basketball, I think, in regard to 
to the next level. And uh, an Australian played played with, you know, we, we played them in the finals uh, of the World Cup. But, boy, she ascended in her senior year. Uh, great development. Uh, another one. Those two, to me, are the ones that kind of jump out a little bit and just say, you know, well, let's let's watch their tournament. But Elena Smith was, you know, if I had to pick somebody who I feel like, you know, probably made the greatest improvement, it would be her. I mean, when you look at her numbers in terms of her efficiency, I mean, what can you say, right? It's like she can shoot the ball effectively and efficiently from really anywhere on the floor. With her size, she can rebound. Um, really, you're right. I mean, just an interesting piece for us to keep our eyes on. Um, Coach Hughes, so you will have, let's see, you've got Stanford, UC Davis, Auburn, BYU. Tell us when we can and where we can watch your game. You, you start off on March 25th, correct? I do, in the afternoon. And I'm not talking, I'm talking West Coast time here. So <laughs> I know That's... you're reaching across, and I'm sitting in, in Central, and my family's in Eastern, but, but, yeah, I believe it's two thirty. But you know, we've got we start out with with, with a dandy. I think you know we have uh, BYU, who I covered. I happened to be at the West Coast Conference and did their championship game. And Jeff Judkins has just done a great job with that. And I tell you, this is a very fun team to watch. One of the best freshmen in the country, Shaylee Gonzalez, is really fun to watch. But they got three guards that can really, really. Uh, kind of play the game, and it's so interesting because then you're going against Auburn, and you got Coach Flo, and you got. I look today; they called 600 turnovers. 600. Wow. Turnovers in this season, you know, and they only turned it over 400. They win, the, you know, they win a lot of games, you know. But I'm so, I'm excited to watch these three guards go against that kind of pressure in that yeah. game, you know, and uh, that to me is. And then you got UC Davis and. Stanford following UC Davis has a flair that I think is just really a great, great, great story. And that's uh, Morgan so- Birch. Oh, gotcha. Morgan is a six, four player inside has become the feature player at UC Davis and had zero division one offers. And, you know, she's a six, four player that, that, that kind of came into her own. But to me that I, I just love those stories where one school, UC Davis was, was, able to offer her a scholarship and she turns it into a historic career. I, I absolutely love that. And then Stanford to me, we talked about Smith, but boy, you want to keep an eye on Kiana Williams. Ooh, I've been watching her. Kiana Williams. She, she grew up in San Antonio and I was coaching in San Antonio. She went to Wagner high school. And so I've been aware and watching her. And when I lived in San Antonio for a long time and th- that one, two punch right there, uh, Stanford, to me, is a little bit of a dark horse in this tournament. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to, you know, Stanford with all the success they've had and Tara, who does, like, unbelievably well preparing their teams. But still, to me, they're a little dark horse. I started looking at who they beat on the on the schedule. Yeah. And I'm like, and they beat Baylor. You know, they, they beat a lot of these teams. Uh, Buffalo was part of their schedule. Tennessee, uh, the, the win over Oregon, you know, yeah. after the tough loss. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Not a team they want to see. Yeah, and they've won about eight or nine in a row. So, anyway, that's my field. It's going to be a lot of fun. Elisa and I will be out there to to do the games. Well, Coach, you are so well prepared. You could call the game right now with the information you shared with us. I love your preparation, but that speaks to to why you've had such success in your career. And um, fans will be tuned in. I know I'll definitely be tuned in because we love your take, especially how you bring uh, the WNBA to women's college basketball. We need more of that. 
Dan Hughes, thank you so much for your time. Please give your beautiful wife my best. Um, she has been, I mean, my opportunities to interact with you guys together around our game have been some very bright moments with your faith um, and just how you conduct yourselves. And, and she's such a kind person. So please tell her I said hello. I will do it. She's sitting there with the grandkids. So <laughs> we, we appreciate it, Latina. Right. Well, enjoy Stanford and give Tar Vanderveer our best. We will do it. Take care. All right, Coach. Good luck. All right, fans, thank you so much for listening um, to our special NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament show. Tarika, any observations or things you're looking forward to in the tournament? Um, Of course. Uh, I wouldn't be a fan if I didn't say shout out to the number nine Spartans. Um, Y'all don't have to have faith in us, but we're going to make it happen anyway. But I will also say that if you have not gone on to ESPN.com and filled out your women's tournament bracket, you have a couple of days to do so. There is a special group that ESPNW has that's going to have some very fun and special people in it. Um, some players, some coaches, some Hall of Famers, some analysts around here at ESPN. I'm going to try to convince LaChina to get in it because we want to see her put her money where her mouth is. And we I want... think I've, I've been in it the last two years. And well, you're going to have to do it again because I'm about to get in it this year. And I'm, oh, I, I want to have an around the rim challenge, even though I know you're going to beat me, but it's okay. Do, do not <laughs> act like I've been hiding. You see how Tariqa tried to act like I just been somewhere you know what I'm gonna fill mine out okay? fill yours out and fans please make sure you fill yours out as well it's gonna be a lot of fun all right well with that since Tarika really just gave us Michigan State which we could have already um, you know predicted she was gonna give us sorry um, thank you for that surprise <laughs> analysis uh, fans, the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament starts this Friday, March 22nd. Lots of great content being pushed out. ESPN Women's Basketball site, ESPNW, great writing, features. Um, these women and these coaches have worked hard all year. So show them some love. And we will be back with a new show next week, recapping the first and second rounds and looking forward to the regional sites. Uh, we'll see you there. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.